0: As I mentioned last week, this weekend here, we begin our new preaching series, these six weeks of Lent entitled Getting On Track. That's the point of Lent. The point of Lent is for us to get on track. It's to get on track of this period of renewal, to be transformed. It's to be on the track that leads to him. And really that's the whole point of life is to make sure that we're on this track that leads to this further conformity to Christ, us growing in holiness, a track that leads to Him. The problem is we all have a tendency to get off the track. Like that's part and parcel of being human. Our human nature is we have a tendency to get off track. I mean, look at things with, you know, with, with exercise. I start off exercising, and how easy it is to get off the track or it's with a diet. I'm on a diet and to fall off track. Father Burke right now is on a diet. He's been on the last couple months, no carbs at all. Just two days ago, he'd mentioned, you know, that he was at a dinner that had carbs and he said he didn't do it because he knows if he did, it would just be this downhill, just, he'd be done. And so, of course, over the last couple of months, knowing that he's on this diet, I frequently, when somebody drops some fresh loaf of bread off or some sweets, I kind of <laughs> waff it over to him and make sure he gets it. And I've been having a good time with that. And each time he does say, get behind, get behind me, Satan, he says that. <laughs> but as it's the case to get off track, how easy it is for us to get off track in those things. It's also easy for us to get off track in our spiritual lives. Maybe we're here this morning and we've fallen off track over the last maybe even couple years with with COVID. Maybe we're sitting here this morning, we've got uh, two wheels on the track, the other two wheels are off. Or maybe some of us even are this morning and we're completely off the track. Maybe some of us even if we really think about what it means to be on track of conforming our lives more and more to Christ, of rooting out sin in our lives. Maybe for some of us, it's like, you know what, Father Mark? I don't even know if I've ever been on track, if I've really been on track in my life of pointing here. This is the time, we're gonna get on track. These 40 days, these six weeks of Lent, we're gonna get on track, and and it is the case that it happens getting off a track. It happens little by little. The drift off a track, maybe one wheel, maybe two wheels, then all of a sudden it is, I'm off track. And all of a sudden, it's like, the vice here or vice there it continues and then now i look and it's like this is this is a habit for me it's habitually i fall into this and i can't kick it or maybe it's priorities that are just a little like god first god first family second everything else third it's it's a a, i know it needs to be tweaked a little bit i'm a little off and then it continues the drift the drift the drift and now it's man my priorities are all out of whack and if i really look at it i'm completely off this track of being aligned to Him. That's why the church gives us Lent. That's why the church gives us this time for Lent, because as humans, all things being equal, we fall off a track. We drift off the track. And then on top of that, you throw on now the secular culture, which just more and more puts God off to the side, boy, we can drift easy. And so the church gives us the Lent, and to get on track, there are no shortcuts. It's prayer and silence, but that's next week. That's what we're looking at next week. This week, we have to first remove obstacles. We, to get on track, we first have to remove the obstacles that have come on the track. That There ain't no way I'm getting on track unless these obstacles on the track are first removed. And so that's why the first Sunday in Lent, the church always brings us in the desert. No matter if we're reading from the Gospel of Mark, Luke, or John, we're always in the desert, where Jesus is led out in the desert by the Holy Spirit. Why? What's in the desert? There ain't much. The, de- the desert is a spot. It's barren. In the desert, there's very little clutter. There's very little distractions in, in the desert. There's not much obstacles. And so for us to look at this week to say, maybe we turn and we look down at our tracks and say, I've got all this junk, this de- de- debris this clutter that's here, clutter and stuff that I don't even want to be on here, that I don't know how it got on here, that I want to get it off. I need to get it off if I'm going to be the man or woman that I know I want to be, that God's calling me to be. And the devil in the desert, he's clever. Make no mistake, the Holy Spirit leads Jesus out in the desert. But Jesus doesn't counter Satan in the desert. And he's clever with the temptations that he gives. He was clever with the temptations that he gave with Jesus that matched with Temptations from the Old Testament, and the devil's also clever with the temptation he wants to give us. And oftentimes, for a matter, modern man, it comes down to diversions and distractions. Increasingly so, I think, is the case. C.S. Lewis, a great Christian author in the 20th century, he wrote a book called The Screwtape Letters. And The Screwtape Letters is, is a series of letters between a senior tempter, um, demon, name is screw tape and he's writing these letters correspondence to a a younger demon who's just kind of underway he's just starting he's learning the ropes and how to best trip up his his new clients or his new people that he's trying to tempt up and his name is wormwood and in these letters wormwood the junior tempter he's all excited he's about doing these big you know tempting the client with these new sins these big sins and all of a sudden uh, all of a sudden, um, Screw Tape writes back and says, easy, easy. You don't need to worry about all these big sins. All you have to do is distract them. Just, it, it takes a little bit of work to have a person waste their whole life in distractions, in worthless distractions, he says. He says, just keep them from real, authentic pleasures. Because real pleasures, that's the enemy's territory. That's God's territory, the the demon is saying. So just keep them from the real pleasures and just distract them. Distract them from things that they don't even really want to be doing. After the fact, they say, what was I doing? I didn't even want to be doing that for that long. And so that's why the last couple of years now as a priest when i approach lent and even preaching on it i i think it's really hard to imagine anyone today in the 21st century to approach lent to look into lent without making some adjustment to screen time whether that be phone social media tv right if 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 you don't have a phone it it, it may be it may be video games it may be the news Prior to Lent this year, once again, I looked at my screen usage. Again, I deleted a couple apps from my phone and four, five, four to five days into Lent as we are today, I've had the same experience that I had last year. And that is, I've noticed these last four to five days, the slightest lull or dead time that I've had, or even anything in the midst of, of, of being at the desk, I just reached for my phone to like for some just little slightest little diversion to look at my phone and now the last four or five days I'm turning my phone and I'm scrolling through YouTube's gone Twitter's gone I find myself just going to my email and just refreshing my email (laughs) that's been the last four or five days I'm just refreshing email but what I've noticed again is this the strongest knee-jerk reaction in me and the slightest lull is just to pick up my phone to look to a screen to be diverted to be distracted. I was, you know, and the, the, the wild thing is too with that is I didn't grow up with a phone. I didn't get a phone. I think it was, I don't, I don't think I got a phone until my freshman year of college. Many, some of you, you know, those that are here younger, all you know is being raised in front of screens and phones. I was sharing some of this with a high schooler yesterday who was helping us out, he's, he's, a, he's a high schooler at Nazareth and he was helping us out with a number of different things in the morning and, and as I was going through talking about this and the necessity for us this week to remove obstacles, I asked him, I said, what, what are you going to remove, what's the obstacle, what's the screen time maybe that you're going to remove and he kind of looked at me with a deer in the headlights, kind of like, what do I say here to the breeze? <laughs> and so I suggested, how about you, how about you delete TikTok? thinking that he would just kind of brush me off to the side and then he turns to me, he says, oh, Father Mark, actually, I I deleted TikTok from my phone four weeks ago. And I said, why? He said, because I've noticed, I noticed now for the longest time, I've been just at at the end of the day, lying in my bed for sometimes right before going to bed, one hour, sometimes two hours, just looking at videos for two hours. And after I got done, realizing that I didn't even know I, I couldn't recall one video that I looked at. He said, it wasn't, he said he said it wasn't doing me any good. See, it was a harm to him. It was a harm it was, he, as he mentioned, it was a harm to, to, to his mental health, and it's also an obstacle for his spiritual life. I shared with him after he told me that. He said, "You may not know this, but coincidentally, just this past Wednesday, on Ash Wednesday, states attorney generals from across the, the country launched a nationwide investigation into TikTok. Those of you that are wondering what TikTok is, it's not tic-tac-toe, right? It, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a popular new video platform that are especially popular amongst youth. But US lawmakers, Republicans or Democrats, and they don't agree on much, but they agree on this. And they're looking at the harmful effects that it's having on youth, catastrophic, catastrophic effects. And increasingly they're seeing this, looking at seeing the the number of girls out of 100,000 in this country that are admitted, that have been admitted to the hospital because of harming themselves. That number was pretty stable up until the year 2010, 2011. You look at a graph, it's pretty, pretty stable. And then as soon as 2010, 2011 hits, that graph just shoots off the page. It's now up. 62% 62% for older teen girls, ages 15 to 19. It's up 189% for preteen girls, ages 10 to 14. That's triple. I had a Hinsdale police sergeant that attended the 7.30 mass this morning, and he mentioned this morning, he said, Father Mark, just this Friday alone, Friday alone, just in Hinsdale, we had four calls for young, young, young uh, youth in this area. What's more troubling are the suicide rates. Older teen girls, the suicide rates are up 41 percent the last 10 years. For preteen girls ages 10 to 14, the suicide rate is up 151 percent. Now, the variables, of course, are probably multi-layered, but one thing is assuring that what cannot be ignored is the pattern of when social media began to be in the pockets of young people beginning in junior high and high school and then the, at, at that point in 2008. When it was more in the pockets of junior hires and high schoolers it was 2008 and then what you see is the correlation of those numbers going up. We hear about these studies, we see about them, this isn't the first time you're hearing about it here, the harmful effects of social media, of screen time. But I don't know if enough action is taken by even you hearing it from from this spot up here, and also maybe for us as parents, as a community, talking about it. And it's important for you to hear this, as I have a concern, of course, with the mental health as your pastor, but also for us to hear that it's also a deterrent for our spiritual lives. It's also a big deterrent for us to get on track, to conform our lives more and more to Christ. Because we were wired for God, Our hearts were made for him. We long to be in communion with the divine. And yet screens are an obstacle for us from getting on track. And it does us harm. That is not to say it's bad, right? That the phone is bad or screen time necessarily is bad. Phones aren't going anywhere. When you leave your home now, it's keys, wallet, and phone. That's just the case. That's not going to change. I'm not saying it should change. I use my phone all the time, but what we are saying is what I'm asking for us to do as a community is to say, and for us to ask ourselves as individually is, Lord, reveal to me and how I seek out comfort and how I seek out satisfaction in front of the screen and not in you. And help me, Lord, remove that obstacle here for these 40 days help me get on track which leads me here lastly to for whatever reason the Lord these last couple weeks has been impressing upon me that we're supposed to do this and go through this and get on track and remove these obstacles we're supposed to do it together we're supposed to do it because together because we're not just simply individuals that sit next to each other in pews on Sunday we are a mystical body we are a family and we're to do this together I think And so here is what I want us to do. As you notice, as you walked in, maybe in the narthex, you see the white strip of paper there on the wall. I want you to write on that wall, the obstacle that you need to remove this week. An obstacle that you're gonna remove these next 40 days. What does not go on there, what I don't wanna see go on there, are things that you normally asked, like, what are you giving up for Lent? I'm giving up chocolate or sweets. Chocolate, sweets and stuff, that should not go on that board, why? because chocolate and sweets don't keep you from silence and prayer. What we're gonna look at next week is silence and prayer. Chocolates and sweets don't keep us from silence and prayer. For most of us, the thing that keeps us from silence and prayer is screen time. What is it that, what is something that, an obstacle that keeps you from silence and prayer? Parents of here, of young kids? To be sure, your child, young kids, they keep you from silence and prayer, okay? But you can't put them up on there, okay? You can't say, I'm, you can't write up your two-year-olds and say, "My two-year-old's an obstacle for the silence and prayer. I'm gonna put up my two-year-old and remove them for 40 days." Okay? <laughs> no, okay? We can't do that. It's probably gonna be screen time. And if you don't have a phone, if social media is not a thing for you, then, then it's, it's a good chance it's the news. Are we to be informed with the news? Absolutely. But I think with what we've done in the last couple years with COVID and now even new, uh, uh, Ukraine and Russia, things for us to be informed of that we need to be informed of, but we should not be checking the news 50 times a day because it, it keeps us from Him. Ultimately, it keeps us from peace. Who is him? And maybe just a word here too, for those of you, for, for younger people here in the pews. Some of you are saying, see mom, everyone's got a phone. How come, I didn't have, how come I don't have a phone? Let me tell you this. First of all, not everyone does have a phone. And I have more and more parents come to me and tell me and say, we are not allowing our children to have phones as they're in junior high or in high school even we're not allowing them to have social media. So do not think that you are alone by not having a phone. Those Those that are younger that do have a phone and social media, give this a try. Go by, why are we doing this? It's so that you can look by and you can see other people say that they've given up TikTok for 40 days. You can see other people that says, deleted YouTube and Twitter from phone. And you can say, oh, that was my pastor. You can see other things there that I saw even this morning of people put up and says no screen time after 830 at night. Or someone else that says delete Instagram from phone and then went on to say something for her children and said set screen time limits for my children. So in your pews you see little square pieces of paper. I want everyone to write down an obstacle that needs to be removed. This is going to be a time where you do a commitment. And what this is, what you write on here is what's gonna go on the board. And so after mass, after mass there's markers up there at the board. There's markers there up at the board and you're to put them up there. If there's a long line and you don't wanna put it up and you don't wanna wait in line, that's fine. Just take your square piece of paper and put it in the basket at those doors. And then we'll put it up there for you. (coughs) This Lent, Let's make this Lent the best one ever. When we arrive at Holy Week this week, Easter, more and more conform to Christ, more and more the men and women that the Lord wants us to be, that we deep down long to be, that we want to be, it's time to get on track. It's time to take this step in the desert by removing obstacles that keep us from Him. So now let's take a minute and make that commitment.